Welcome to Trauma-Informed Caring, and Essential Conversations podcast, brought to you by the Mid-America Addiction Technology Transfer Center, funded by SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Although funded by SAMHSA, the content on this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of SAMHSA. We have seen that well-being inspires well-doing. So here at the beginning of our podcast episode, as we do at the beginning of every podcast episode, we invite you to take just a moment for yourself. If you can, if you're in a place where it is safe to do so, we invite you to close your eyes. If not, just allow your gaze to soften. And if you can't do that, just grant yourself permission to fully focus on you just for the next few moments. Take a few deep, even breaths. In through the nose, out through the mouth. And as you continue breathing, slowly, calmly, invite you to Focus just for a moment on your body without any judgment. Notice if there are any areas of tension. And if so, roll your shoulders or stretch your neck. Maybe push your toes into the ground or roll your wrists. Just give your body whatever kind of movement feels helpful and good right now. And then again, as you continue breathing evenly, And slowly bring to mind a place that you've been, or maybe a place that you want to go, that you've seen, and imagine it as fully as you can. What does it look like? What do you hear? What do you smell? Is there anything that you can taste in this memory of a place or this imagining of a place that's good for you? Are you touching anything? Are your feet on the grass or the sand? Just vividly imagine being there with every sense. Are you walking? Are you in a hammock? And then imagine someone being with you, someone that is good, that feels good. It could be someone you know, or maybe someone who's already passed, a loved one, a pet, or you could just be comfortable by yourself. And take a few more moments to really register in your body what it feels like to be in that safe good place. Soak it in. Feel the breeze. Feel the sun. Whatever it is that is soothing to you. And then take one more deep breath in and out. And with a sense of gratitude for your imagination, I invite you to go ahead and 
open your eyes or lift your eyes and release this practice. I am Roxanne Pendleton. And I'm Andrea Dalton. And this is Trauma-Informed Caring. Thank you, Roxanne, for that visualization. That was really, really nice. I needed that, I think, this morning. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, listeners, welcome to season three of our podcast, Trauma-Informed Caring. We're really delighted that we have the opportunity to bring yet another season to you. This particular season is going to be a little shorter. We have four episodes lined up after this kind of introductory episode that we're doing now. And we hope that you'll hear some interesting stories this time around, some really fascinating work that people are doing. We've interviewed folks in different areas that are doing amazing things related to trauma-informed caring. And what we really wanted to highlight with this particular season is what is in the soil of our communities, both in terms of the trauma, which of course impacts us, but also in terms of resilience. And one of the, I think, key learnings that we have had around resilience is that it's not just about building resilience. Like we talk about that a lot in trauma-informed care. Like how do we build resilience? Well, the truth is we already have it, right? Human beings are resilient. So I think, uh, you know, keeping that in mind and not only are human beings resilient, our communities are resilient, um, our environments are resilient. We definitely, as human beings, also do a lot of things to tear down each other's resilience and to tear down the resilience of our communities and environments. That happens. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there's this balance of like being aware of the reality of what's going on and also still showing up and showing up for other people. And it makes me think of a quote, actually, by Teddy Roosevelt. I've used this a little bit lately. And he says, uh, or he said, he's he's no longer with us, but- um, <laughs> His Teddy voice Rose, still speaks. I know, his voice still speaks. <laughs> At some point, he said, do what you can with what you have where you are. Oh. And I feel like that, I'm going to say it again, do what you can with what you have where you are. And I think that that's so important because we can- recognize, like I said, recognize that reality of how things are and also still see the potential in ourselves, uh, in each other, uh, in the interconnectedness that we have as human beings. And we can, you know, forge ahead with whatever it is that we have. And it's not about like having to build new things or be better than we were individually or, you know, learning new skills. Like we already have skills. We already have strengths to share and we can make good use of those things. And then we start to see the ripples outward. And I think that's one of the things that we'll really see in this, uh, in this season is how those ripples outward from each individual person saying, Hey, this is what I can do with what I have right now. And the kind of amazing transformation that happens in a trauma-informed caring way when people do that. Yeah, I agree, Andrea. And I think one of the things that is on my mind right now that's so inspiring is really the power that one individual does have to create those ripples. I know that as we were interviewing our guests this season, sometimes the conversation uh, shifted into paths we did not anticipate, but that were incredibly enriching. And One guest in particular, I'm thinking about how, because of her lived experiences, the the way she encountered and moved through trauma as a child and as a young person, when she grew up, 
she just intuitively started creating change in a system where she was serving because of, because of her child experiences, she had this deep knowing of what was needed and started doing things differently. It wasn't that anyone told her she could or couldn't. It was just the way that she did the work, the way that she delivered the caring, and it has changed the entire system Mm -hmm. in the state. And so (laughs) I can't wait for y'all to hear that interview. Of another guest that we interviewed that, you know, based on her lived experience and her, in her work, yes, saw a need and created, well, with a lot of, I mean, found people who were doing things that she thought would fit really well and pulled it together. And that collaboration that happens in those kinds of times, it's amazing. Yes. In fact, that makes me think about what I'm thinking about her story. There was a huge amount of heartache that she was encountering when she saw this need that wasn't being met Mm -hmm. for people that they were serving, like heartbreaking. And I think for many people, we can get stuck in that heartache and not take the next step to be like, oh, maybe I can fix this. Mm -hmm. Right. And so one of the things that stands out from her story um, is a kind of mantra that I've used myself and, and in coaching people, when we get into that place of like, Oh, this is really bad. Adding the phrase. And that's why I'm here. Like, that's why I'm here. Maybe that's why I'm here Mm -hmm. to help it not be as bad moving forward, you know? So yeah, that is a good point. (laughs) I say that to myself sometimes too. And sometimes I remind myself, this is a great opportunity. (laughs) Right. Um, And I always laugh when I say it, but I really do believe it. Like I've had some kind of difficult challenges with a particular project I'm involved in right now, not a work project. And there's a lot of change that needs to happen. And I'm there, right? Like maybe I'm the one I'm waiting for, right? To step in and say, hey, have you thought about this angle? Or have you, have we considered how we can build safety and trust? You know, those things that I've learned along the way. And I think this is true for everybody. The things we learn along the way in life do equip us for the next thing. Yeah. And it's a way of looking like, yeah, you can, where is your focus? Is your focus for me? I have to really continue to refocus. Is my focus on what's wrong? Because that's normal. We have that negativity bias. It's normal for us to see what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Then there's another step, a shift that happens to, well, but what's right. You know, where are good things Mm -hmm. happening? Where are the helpers? And then that next shift to, and how can I add you know, how can I add my strength? How can I add my insight? How can I uh, take the wisdom from the pain I've gone through and create something or collaborate to create something mm-hmm. better? And it does take each one of us yeah. um, doing that. Like it makes yeah. me think of the the roles in a social change ecosystem mm-hmm. and how there are all these different parts. We don't each have to do all of them. I think especially for those of us who are, you know, natural leaders or have a deep sense of responsibility or are really effective at, you know, tasks getting done or you know, <laughs> or we like, hate inefficiency. Right. And so we hop right in because we're like, oh, that thing that could be done differently. Um and, and we can we, we end that, up overstepping then. Yeah. We into, don't have to do it all. We don't have to do all that. And we should not do it all. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, yeah. So I think our listeners are going to hear a lot of inspiring, just a lot of, of inspiring, not just stories, but ideas and tips and takeaways. 
But I wanted to shift now from talking about them to actually talking about about us, our stories. And I wondered, Andrea, if you could think of or if you'd be willing to share where you see resilience, either in the community where you now live, you know, what's in the soil there, or perhaps in the community where you grew up, what was in the soil there that nurtured resilience? Thanks for that question, Roxanne. That makes me think of a few different things, but the one that really rises to the surface right now is about the community that I'm living in right now. And we just moved to this town a couple of years ago, and I knew moving to this town that there had been some rather public issues related to uh, racialized trauma, uh, related to, you know, really like awful, awful behavior in a racist direction, I would say. It has been really damaging to the community and to the school district in particular. And the school district has done a lot of work in that area, uh, created some new programs and uh, brought in some folks that have been really helpful in uh, starting to create a more equity-minded culture, trying to reduce things like bullying and and other just expectations that are rooted in really old white supremacist systems, to be honest. And, you know, trying to eliminate some of the barriers that people experience, people of all ages in our community. You know, like, can kids actually participate in after-school activities? Or do they have to ride the bus home? Because that's the only way they're going to be able to get home. But the bus only runs right after school. So, you know, I've seen shifts in the way that is going to happen. And anyway, I got involved with a sort of a grassroots group related to equity in our school district, in our community, and have just been so amazed by the people that like see this stuff, like we were talking Mm -hmm. about before, you know, you see the reality of what is happening. And sometimes it could be really easy to say, you know what, I'm out. I can't do it. And sometimes we can't, right? Like sometimes we do have to step back and take a break and maybe get refreshed somehow because we can get burnt out in that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard. It's Mm -hmm. hard. You got to pace yourself. Yeah. And yet I think what is so amazing is not only that people do keep showing up, but the reason they keep showing up is because of the community, right? It's because of that interconnectedness. It's because of the the needs that they see in each other, that we see in each other, that we can all meet in those different ways. And so what we were just talking about before this really made me think about that and how important relationship is just with everything. I mean, relationship, it's not really a, I don't know, it's not a tired trope anymore. I, I don't think <laughs> to say that relationship <laughs> is everything. A relationship is key. It's really true. If we don't have relationship as a central focal point in trying to be more trauma-informed and trying to be more equity-minded, more caring and compassionate, like what are we doing it for? So anyway, I'll turn that question back to you too, Roxanne. So what comes to mind for you in your either your current community or maybe where you grew up? What's in the soil? Where do you see resilience popping up? Well, I am just coming off off of a couple days where I got out way out in what we would have called the boonies uh, when I was growing up, <laughs> which is where I grew up. <laughs> Me too. And yeah, and I I am really present right now to the reality that space and place for silence and connection with nature mm. and connection with a slower pace of living. Mm-hmm is deeply restorative and it supports resilience. I went out, I went with a couple friends. 
we went to, it's actually a, a farm and winery out in Kansas uh, on the dirt roads, y'all. Like I was driving on the dirt roads. Uh, we have a joke because I grew up, I grew up out in the country and I still have some family members who live out in the country with, with on farms and they really, really grieved when the blacktop came. I was like, you're not in the country anymore. <laughs> they call me a city girl because I am now. But getting out there where it was so quiet, mm-hmm. we were out on a, it was a state lake, just a public property, but there was no one there because it was really, really hot. We must have seen 15 blue herons. Oh, wow. Now I had never seen a blue heron before. Mm-hmm. And then probably oh my gosh, probably 20 or 30 uh, turkey vultures, numerous hawks, Mm -hmm. uh, birds of every kind, deer, turtles. um, And somewhere along the way, you feel your body just kind of shifting into, you know, a place of more calm. Mm -hmm. And so what came to mind when you asked about you know, what's in the soil, actual soil came to mind. (laughs) There was a lot of dirt, you know, we got to taste grapes that were still growing on the vine. There were farm animals. There was this relationship theme, not the most obvious one, which was the people I went right Mm -hmm. on retreat with, or the people who were running the farm and winery We had some fantastic conversations, but also the relationship with the earth, the relationship we have with what is living in our world that is our world you know and not just the the trees and plants and animals but the literal earth the the lake the stones the way that if you pay attention uh, and i grew up studying a lot of science so you know i do often pay attention to the geology of the space sure. or you know what the animals are the weather patterns if we pay attention to that there's something in that that is so connected to us we are terrestrial beings, you know, Mm -hmm. we are beings of the earth and we are not disconnected from it. So what comes to my mind when you ask what's in the soil, it's a very literal sense of we are in the soil, Mm. like (laughs) our, our molecules are of the soil and of the stars and of one another. And so I think my practice right now and what I encourage our listeners to maybe take on in the next week is uh, getting out into nature, thinking about nurturing, allowing yourself to have a relationship with, with all that is around you, all the life that is around you outside of the technology Mm -hmm. and the work. And so that's my first thought. And then my second thought, Andrea, was when I was growing up, my home life was very tumultuous, Mm -hmm. certainly in my teenage years, a young teen and as a teenager, but, but I think about the years before that, when I did feel some sense of safety, there there were still some stressors, uh, certainly some aces, but uh, that would be adverse childhood experiences. But there were two things that I really could count on. And that was um, church. We were very involved in church and I had people who loved me, who knew me by name, who asked Mm -hmm. me about myself, who took time to teach me. We had backyard Bible clubs and vacation Bible schools and Mm -hmm. Sunday school and church choirs, children's choirs, and uh, just all manner of activities. And it was a place where I could go, especially because home was not always as calm as ideally it could have been. So I know I was loved there as a child and then school. Yeah. I had, 
Uh, and it was rural community. There wasn't a lot going on outside of school. <laughs> uh, and so school was really where we had our primary connections and the activities of school, uh, which again, back, um, gosh, I'm 53. So that was several decades ago. They were not as, um, there weren't as many activities, but I knew that I had teachers who spent time with me, who cared about uh, my success as a, as a person, not just as a student. And I had that all through my um, school career. And I went to school on the same block, you know, like there was like K through 12 on the same, maybe two block sure, little yeah. strip of street, right. A small town. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a, a connectedness there. And again, a kind of, if home wasn't good, I could still be safe and and well and cared for seen and find a way to succeed even um, at school. So those are the two that come to mind for me as a child. Uh, do you have any that that come to your mind as well from your childhood? Well, I, actually, what you were just saying makes me think about um, how there's this looking inward and also looking outward that happens with us when we uh, start to consider resilience and you know how we cope, how we um, how we navigate difficulties. You know, we we might do things like. Uh, go on a retreat and, you know, have some time to ourselves with ourselves. Uh, but then there's also that, that outward direction mm-hmm. too. And just the, you know, mm-hmm. that balance, that continual motion. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that we just are one thing or are, are in one place, you know, physically or metaphorically, <laughs> we're constantly in motion and we are, uh, that's just, uh, I don't know. That's a cool thing to think about for me. But yeah, I mean, as far as as childhood, you know, I grew up in a kind of similar environment, more of a rural community and fairly close, the same people kind of throughout my childhood and uh, until I graduated from high school. And just thinking about some of the really interesting opportunities that existed in that community, you know, like little summer theater programs, you know, like there was this art fair at the college every year. And as part of the art fair, they decided like, let's have a kid's theater performance. And so like, I was involved in that and the people that were involved in that, you know, it all, again, all goes back to those relationships and the people who were looking out and saying like, what can I do? Where can I step in? And that just, I think really highlights the importance of those positive childhood experiences too. Yeah. Um, like you talked about, you know, even with whatever else might be happening mm-hmm. in someone's world, when we have those positive childhood experiences that is being shown in research even to counteract, uh, not kind of counteract, it is being shown to absolutely counteract, counteract. To absolutely counteract yeah. Protect. the long-term health impact of ACEs, of the adverse childhood experiences. So we know this season will unpack a lot of those kinds of things. So, yep. So we are really excited to have you join us for this coming season of trauma-informed caring. What's in your soil episodes will begin in September. And in the meantime, we invite you to check out the mid America ATTC website. You can hear previous episodes of our podcast there, uh, as well as see some of the services and products that we have to offer. You can also access our virtual room of refuge for a variety of support for your own well-being. You can also find their access to our YouTube channel. And if you'd like, you can subscribe to our newsletter, Conscious Connections. Thanks for joining us for this introductory episode. 
It's our hope that where you work and where you live, this podcast will offer you practical support for the practice of trauma-informed caring. 